0: Okay, good to see you all, great to see you in the balcony, hello, good morning, good morning, good morning in the balcony, good morning down below. You can see we've raised ourselves up this morning just to try and make sure we can see everyone in the balcony and on the floor because we're trying to spread people around the building. So thank you for sitting in the balcony. I hope you do feel part of things. And those of you at home on Zoom, you're really welcome as well. And um, we're going to be continuing with our 1 Corinthians series. So please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter, where are we up to? Chapter 4. We've come a long way. Chapter 4. And we're going to be going through the whole chapter, okay? So uh, trying to get through quite a bit this morning. So God, with God's grace, we'll do that. So please do turn to it, because we're going to be carefully looking at this scripture together. Let me pray as, as I begin. In fact, why don't we stand? We'll all pray together. A bit of an active prayer, right? Just settle yourself before God. Let's remember the Holy Spirit is your teacher today. So just remember that. just, just bring your mind to that. think, yes, Holy Spirit, teach me. Just say that now in your, just say that now in your mind. Holy Spirit, teach me. Just be aware of His presence. Invite His presence to speak to you. I want you invite His presence to help me as well to speak. Holy Spirit. Come and come and teach us this morning. You know our needs. We all have needs this morning. Come and teach us. Thank you for your word. This gift to us. Give us the humility to listen. In Jesus' name, Amen. When you take your seats. Well done. It was a dark night. Starting with the story again. After Raf's wonderful, wasn't it a good story last week with Raf sharing with us? Anyway, it was a dark night. Midnight, maybe midnight. It was dark. It was quiet. And the boy opened the window, trying not to be heard, and he crept in through the window, looking around. Peter Pan was looking for his shadow. The day before, Wendy's nanny, who is also a dog, grabbed his shadow with her teeth and ripped it off. Peter escaped, and now he was back, looking for his shadow. He opened the drawer carefully, and there it was, rolled up. Wendy's mother, when she found the shadow, had rolled it up and put it away neatly into the drawer. He pulled out his shadow, and that's when Wendy woke up, and she was so glad to see her friend. And now she could stitch on his shadow again, and they lived him and his shadow happily ever after. Now, why am I telling you that story? I'm telling you that story because I'm talking today about humility and pride. Pride, just you have pr- pr- pride and you have a problem with pride. Just like your shadow, he or she is always with you. Pride is always there. All it needs is the right light. The right challenge, the right difficulty to reveal to you that you are susceptible to pride. You cannot rip it away. This side of heaven, it will dog you quite regularly. And if you are self-aware, you don't need me to tell you that. Pride is a big issue. Let's think about pride. If you've turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, you will see. Well, in fact, the whole book of 1 Corinthians, this series is called Becoming Love. You could almost say the opposite of love is pride. Pride is self obsession, pride is puffing yourself up and wanting to be big wanting to be respected, wanting to be the object of attention, wanting to, people to obey you and follow you and think you're right and give you... Basically, pride is to put yourself at its worst in the place of God. If you think what is pride, at its worst is to put yourself, and it's a spectrum, the place of worship and focus and to want to be obeyed and you get really offended if people don't do what you say. Oh, I know myself as well. I know I'm a pr- proud person. But so are you. And so God is going to speak to us from his word today. And 1 Corinthians is full of pride. So the, 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 the issues there are, pr- you could say it's, pr- it's pride. The next chapter, they're going to be talking about sexual sin. And he says to them, and you are proud. Don't we live in a world that's prideful of its sexual sin, right? Freedom! Freedom! No. Pride. It's going to be talking about how they're taking each other to court. They've got issues with each other. They're falling out with each other. They're judging their leaders. They're, they're dividing into factions. Because of Pride. Just think briefly about what pride is. We're going to be getting into the chapter, but I just want to make sure we really go away understanding what it is. I've said, at its worst, it's putting yourself in the place of God. God is the center of attention. God is to be obeyed. You put yourself there. I'm to be obeyed. I'm to be the center of attention. And the health of your life and the health of your church is... is, is dependent upon us moving that there and saying, God, I'm going to put you there. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to obey you. I'm not going to be the center of attention. I'm not going to be the most important person in my life. The word is puffed up, it talks about here. Puffed up. And I've got here a balloon. The word is fusio. Say fusio. And it sounds like this, doesn't it? It sounds like blowing up a balloon. Fusio. Fusio. I'm blowing up this balloon in Greek, and you can see that's exactly what it is—puffing yourself up. Aren't I special? Aren't I amazing? Look what I know: M B N B A B S C P B F. Keep you know puffing yourself up. Now the world is full of this, and we're all full of this. All it takes is the right light, and you'll see that shadow. Somebody doesn't give you the attention you think you deserve, doesn't give you the respect you think you deserve, you'll see that we are easily puffed up. And my, in 1 Corinthians 13, I said it the other day, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. It's not proud, it's not proud, it's not proud, it's not fucioed, it's not puffed up. Love and pride are enemies. They're enemies. If we're prideful, we won't love people as they deserve because love is, as we've said, laying your life down for the good of another particularly those who don't deserve it. It means being patient with people, and pride isn't good with patience. It means overlooking an offence, and pride is not very good at overlooking an offence. Pride is quick to anger, whereas humility is slow to anger. And you need the whole... Don't, don't just, You can't just put a post-it... Don't get me wrong, you could put a post-it note up saying... Matt, stop being quick to anger, all right? I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, but make sure if you do that, if I do that, I make sure I say, Holy Spirit, help me to be slow to anger. Yeah, you understand? The Holy Spirit is is the one who transforms your life. Not not because you've got a post-it note or something, okay? You need the Holy Spirit to help you to change. These are fruits of the Spirit. So humility is fusio. And my, my point today is fight the war for humility. If we fight the war for humility, so be positive. Go for humility. Don't worry, am I proud? Am I proud? Am I proud? Am I proud? Fight for humility. Don't fight for a negative. Fight for something positive. I want to be humble. And this is what Paul is encouraging, and we need to deflate that balloon. And that's what the sound of humility. Where's the microphone? There we are. You love that, don't you? You love that? (laughs) Excuse me. You need to be deflated, so do I. And we're going to learn how to do that today. Let me just summarise pride as this. No, rather, humility is confidence properly placed. I don't know where the quote comes from. Humility is confidence properly placed. Think of, That's just such a profound quote. I don't know where it comes from. I didn't make it up. Humility is confidence properly placed. You're not confident in yourself, I hope. You're not confident in your looks and your abilities and your strength. Confidence in God is humility. Confidence in his word is humility. Confidence in the Holy Spirit is humility. And this is something we need to learn. So pride, how do we fight for pride? So firstly, pride is deflated. Pride is deflated by remembering. That wasn't very... That wasn't very zealous, was it? Say, I'm a servant. That's it. Good. That's it. This is what Paul says. We're now into 1 Corinthians 4. This, then, is how you should regard us. The word regard is like judge. This is how you should judge us. This is how I want you to see me. The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle, how does he want to be seen? How do I want to be seen? How do you want to be seen? I want to be seen as... Regard me as servants of Christ. Servants of Christ. As those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. A Christian is not his or her own Lord. We gave that up when we became a Christian. Paul wants them to regard and judge him as a servant of the church on behalf of Jesus Christ. And that's what we do, guys. Remember, this is a, lot, a lot of chapter four is about leadership. If you're a leader, this is me, this is Jem and Nevers, elders of the church, this is community group leaders moving through. If you're a leader, but this is true for every one of us, we serve on behalf of Christ. We are his hands and feet. We represent Jesus in the way that we lead, which is service. And, we, and it takes a lot of learning. We've got to read the scriptures to learn how to do that. So we are, pride is deflated by remembering who we are, that we are servants. Remembering that. Servants have been entrusted. Now it is required, verse 2, that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So every one of us, but again particularly leaders, you have been given a trust. Last week, you remember, Ralph talked about laying the foundation of this building, the building of the temple, which is the church, which is Jesus Christ, and then building on that foundation with wood, hay or straw or gold, silver and costly stones and this is what we are to do we've been given a trust, you've been given gifts, they're not to puff yourself up to make you look good as we'll see later, the gifts are given to love people and to serve people, they're not for your reputation, they are for the good of others And you say, oh, of course, my gifts are not for me. Well, I tell you now, you'll realize that you've got pride around this when someone doesn't require your gifts as much as you would have wanted them to. And if somebody says, no, no, you can't say that, you can't share that, you can't have this opportunity like you think you deserve. And it will hurt you and sting you. And then you have to go, deflate me, Lord, because it's not about me. It's about you. Servants are entrusted, but you are entrusted with gifts. That's for certain. And you've got to be faithful to your Lord. And that's humility. I'm serving the Lord with the gifts he's given me. Servants know who they are seeking to please. I could have spent the whole... I nearly called this this talk about how to judge rightly... Because we need to learn how to, how to deal with judging and, and, and regarding each other. But I, I, anyway, I care very, it says in verse 3, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. That does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden. In darkness, he will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. What he's saying is this many of you in the church, he knows they're judging him harshly because of the things that are being said. You're judging me harshly. You think you, Paul is saying this to the church, you think you can see my motives, and you think that I'm like a wolf in sheep's clothing underneath it. Suspicion. It's easy to become suspicious, you know. Suspicious of everybody. Suspicious underneath. Oh, oh, I I know underneath, underneath, underneath there's issues. And Paul is saying, God is my judge. Regardless of how you judge me, I know I'm loved by God and he's my judge. And I'm serving to the best of my conscience. And many of you struggle with this. This is a big issue for li- in life. Is dealing with your how people view you. And what, what we do so often is create a narrative in our own mind of what we assume other people are saying about us. Right? They think I am already... It's often negative. You create a narrative. These people don't like me. They hate me. They they think I'm useless. They think I'm worthless. And that narrative is often demonic in origin. But we believe it. And if you're going to be humble and serve God with the entrustment He's given you and not just give up and leave the church because of the narrative you're creating, or even if they are treating you badly you've got to know that God your father is your judge he is the one and it's before him that you serve and he is the one that gives you security he's the one that gives you joy and I know that's hard and it's a lifelong battle because the shadow never goes away but Paul knew whom he was serving so you need to know who you're serving I'm a servant that will keep us humble and keep us healthy Secondly, pride is deflight, deflated through God's word. He carries on, uh, verses 6 and 7. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up, is that word, Fusio, in being a follower of one of us over and against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Again, let me just, just state the fact that this is complex, isn't it? I could literally have just picked any one of those sentences and made the whole talk about that. So please do try to use the blogs this week. I'll try to, um, I'll try to you know, unpack this further. So I'm being quite um, broad in what I'm saying. I understand that. He says, do not go beyond what is written. Do not go beyond what is written. In other words, our attitude as leaders... And our attitude as Christians, as we seek to serve, our attitude to life should be not go beyond what is written. In other words, the Bible needs to shape the way we lead, shape the way we live. Do not go beyond what is written. It's very simple and we've got so much information thrown at us, haven't we? It's called the information age. We've got access to so much good and mediocre and rubbish information that it wears you out. And we must be careful that, particularly when we talk about leadership and church, and the way Christians act, and the way we view each other, and so on, that we are not, we make sure that we analyse the, 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 the advice and counselling we get, and we judge it by God's word. Because God's word is perfect and pure and, 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 and without fault. So everything must be judged by God's word. Do not go beyond what. Is written. And you say, oh, but I heard this beyond what is written. That's the kind of church we are. Don't go beyond what is written. So please do, and, and this keeps us humble because humility is putting God where he should be, right? And God should be listened to and obeyed. When we say, no, no, I'm going to go beyond what is written to my own opinions and other people's opinions, we are saying that God is being defamed and removed. That's pride. I know better than God. We don't know, we do, you don't know better than God. Do not go beyond what is written. That's humility. Fight for humility by being a person of the word of God. See, if you, if you think about leadership, think about being a leader, or if you're just a Christian, you want to you wanna help people in your life, you want to serve people, okay? You, if, if, you do, if, if you read the Bible, you will realize that every single leader in the Scriptures w- was successful because of God, was gifted by God, were flawed, and were forgiven by God. You see, if you actually look at the leaders in the Bible and don't go beyond what he's written, you will realize what leadership looks like. And leadership looks like dependency upon God. Just think about David, a great leader. Or think about okay, Esther, a great leader. You have been brought to prominence for such a time as this. Who raised up Esther? Tell me. Who raised up Esther? God. I know, I, I know you could say it was King Xerxes, if that was his name. That was a human doing, right? It was God. Who gave her the attributes that she needed to do the thing that she was called to do? God's. God. Who gave her the humility to listen to advice? God. So if we don't go beyond what is written as leaders and as Christians, we will be humble because we what do you have that you did not receive? Well, everything we have, we received, right? So pride is deflated as you seek to apply God's word, as you read God's word. So much I could say about this. Pride is deflated by being a fool for Christ. Pride seeks the respect of others. I'm not saying you should seek disrespect. Don't get me wrong, and you know I'm not saying that I I trust. But what we mustn't do is make our highest aim the respect of others. Because you'll just lie all the time to make them like you. You won't tell the truth because you want them to like you. You won't speak about your convictions because you f- liking them is more important than your convictions. You won't share the gospel because them respecting you is more important than that message. We must learn and seek to be a fool for Christ and where our love for Jesus openly, like a t-shirt as it were, openly, I, am a, I, I believe in the gospel, I believe Jesus died for sinners and those who put their faith in him are saved. That's the message. That's the foolish message, isn't it? As Paul says earlier in the chapter, if you remember, it's a foolish message that we believe it and we share it and we purposely seek to deflate our pride by sharing it. As we're in that conversation with that person who intimidates us and that we want their respect. And we, I, I don't, I'm being careful. I want to trek on eggshells. I don't want them to, I, I don't know, I want them to respect me and like me. Tell the gospel. Tell the message of Jesus. Tell your testimony. Tell the story. That will deflate your pride. As Paul encourages us to do because it's so important. Already, it says here in, um, so being a fool for Christ. It says in verse 8 here, Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign, and that without us. See, what the Corinthians were doing, some of them, not all of them, were preaching a prosperity gospel, a success gospel, that teaches that if you come to know God, your life will be amazing, everything will be wonderful. They were changing the message to make themselves more popular. So they were saying things like this, you see, you can become rich, you can reign in this life, you can be satisfied You can have heaven on earth in fullness in this life. And they were attracting their groups to that kind of um, gospel, which it it, kind of makes them look good. Rather than saying, this is the gospel, you're a sinner. You need forgiveness. And if you follow Jesus, you are likely to be disrespected by others because of this foolish message. And you're likely to suffer as well for it. But but let me tell you this. If you do that, God will give you his spirit and power and grace to live a victorious life in it. They were telling a false gospel, you see. And it's easy, you see. If we want to be liked, we will change the message. And that's what they were doing. And Paul tells them how I wish you really had begun to reign so that we might reign with you. For, if, for it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels, as well as to human beings. So they were teaching this gospel that if you follow Jesus, everything will be great. And he was saying, no, no, that's not the case. If you follow Jesus, life will be hard. Because you're going to be at odds with the the world around you. This 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 is not the message you'd probably normally hear, is it? You're forgiven. You're loved by God. You know God. But don't get me wrong. You're going to be in a different kingdom to the people around you. And people are not going to respect you always for it. And the church needs to hear this and pay the price of what it means to follow Jesus Christ like the Apostles here, at the end of the procession. So, so the idea was that after Romans, the Romans took over a particular um, region, they would, bring, they would have this great procession through the streets in Rome, where the victors were at the front, but at the back were the people that were going to be killed in the arena. And the Apostle Paul was saying, you, are, you Corinthians want to put yourself at the front you want to be pump, uh, puffed up. You want everyone to respect you. You're changing the message so that everyone will respect you. You are making yourself rich in the world. And you're trying to get a high status in the world. And I want to let you know this, that true followers of Jesus Christ are happy to be at the back. They're happy to be at the back. They're fools for Christ. It costs to follow Jesus Christ. And I think the heat is being turned up and it's probably a good thing. In our nation, God disciplines those he loves. And as the heat gets turned up, it reveals whether we're prepared to be a fool for Christ and be at the back and truly be like him, carry the cross and follow him. Pride is deflated as we seek to be and are prepared to be a fool for Christ. Pride finally is deflated by fatherly discipline. I'm writing this not to shame you. I'm writing this to remind you, remember this, right? I'm writing to tell you you've become proud and you need to remember you're a servant. I'm writing to remind you to live according to God's word because I love you. And many of you are going off off, off piste here. You're not following God's word. I'm writing to remind you that you've become pompous, proud, self seeking, and you need to be prepared to be a fool for Christ, which means to be proud of the gospel. And he says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but as my dear children. As my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. I could just preach on that, couldn't I? Imitate. Are are we worthy of imitation? So many of you are, I hasten to add. Can I just throw in the... I I said this last week, I want to say it again to you. So many of you are living this. You are servants. You are living God's word. You are prepared to be a fool for Christ. I know you're not perfect. I know the shadow still rears its head. But you guys are worthy of imitation. So many of you. But he says this. Imitate me. As I imitate Christ. Christ. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, puffed up, arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, then I will find out Not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. Interesting phrase. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Should I come to you with a rod of discipline or with love and with a gentle spirit? I'm writing this correction, he's saying. I want, you, I want you to become less prideful and more humble. I'm writing this because you're my dear children, and I'm concerned for you. Timothy, I'm sending to you Timothy, my son, who will sh- he, he is just like me. So Timothy has listened to this. May we all be like Timothy and listen to what the Word of God teaches about these things. He is firm with them. Shall I come with a rod of discipline? Wow. Shall I come with a rod of discipline? Pride recoils at discipline. The self-inflated hate to be corrected. And if we ever need to know how prideful we are, see how we respond when someone corrects us. Don't I know it? Correction is the sunshine that reveals our shadow of pride. How dare you talk to me like that? How dare, I mean, you of all people to turn the conversation around. You of all people who never do this, who never do that. You did this last week and you did that and then you did this and da 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 da, da. I'm stereotyping all of us. We're all like that. Are we not? Pride hates discipline. How dare you? This is what Proverbs teaches us. Do not go beyond what is written then, guys. Okay, so this is what Proverbs says. Do not go beyond what is written. So let's think about what is written. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wouldn't we all love the kisses? Would we? Rebuke is love. Refraining from correction is hidden love. Friends wound us. Enemies and the cowardly avoid saying hard things. I avoid saying hard things. And sometimes that's good. We're not always picking up on everything. But, you know, I do avoid saying hard things because I love myself. You understand? I love myself. I'm trying to protect myself so I won't say hard things to you. If I put myself out of the way and thought more about your needs, then I might just say some corrective words. Likewise, how are you going to handle this? How are you going to be honest? How are you going to humble yourself and be used by God to bring correction to others? Let's think about another one. Do not go beyond what is written. So endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what child is not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it, at some point, maybe not at the time, how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? So that's what's written. So don't go beyond what's written. That's what's written. To, dis- to discipline is to be like the Heavenly Father. To fail to discipline is to treat people like they're outside of the family of God. Discipline comes to us from many sources. Our parents, if we are children. If you're a child here this morning, your parents are a gift to you to bring you correction. Our friends and family correct us. Elders in the church bring correction, as I'm doing something like that this morning, teaching at least. God, through circumstances, it says, treat hardship... Circumstances. So God is, God is training us through this coronavirus context. He's training us many, many things, and I leave that up to you, to, to seek God yourself as to what he's training in your life. God, through his word, disciplines us. Pride is like our shadow. It cannot be torn away. We must fight For humility, remember that we're servants. Remember God's word, get into God's word that will bring us humility. Seek to be a fool for Christ, that's bringing humility. And finally, receive fatherly discipline. Fight for humility. Let's have the band up. We're going to worship together. Humility is confidence properly placed. Properly placed. D.L. Moody said this, and it's a wonderful quote to finish with, God sends no one away empty except those who come full of themselves. If you've been deflated of your own self-importance and pride, what's the promise for you? He will fill you. With his presence, his power, his joy, freedom. Pride is not good. Self-dependence is not good. Independence is not good. Trust in God. I remember this song, I need you more. Let's stand together. I remember this song, I need you more. I need you more, more than Yesterday. Can we say that, church, as we go on in, and mature as Christians? Do you say, I need you more? I need you more, Lord. And as you do, he fills you with his presence. He fills you with his joy. He comes to those who are humble. He comes to those who fill their needs. He saves them. He strengthens them. He raises them. He helps them. No one goes away empty except those who are full of themselves. I can guarantee you this blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are humble, who depend on God you will be filled. God's not looking for your your strength. God's looking for your dependence. God is not impressed when you puff yourself up. God is impressed as you realize your weakness and you trust in him. May God teach us these things more and more. Let's worship together.